Ladies, gentlemen, poops in between. Welcome one and welcome all to episode 144 of the Arsenal Cannon Podcast. Folks, we're coming at you right before the World Freaking Cup. So look at this episode as the last one, um, pretty much about uh, Premier League stuff, at least about Premier League fixtures for the next month and two two weeks is it or something i mean depending on when we make that next podcast but yeah man i mean it's going to be a long long haul without it at least um we have plenty of ball to watch though um we're not the ones that are going to be suffering after all we get to enjoy it um the players are the ones that are going to be dead um so good riddance to them no um it's uh it's it's exciting though to be recording this alfie because oh well spoiler alert alfie's my co-host today and he's the only co-host today um the original duo feels good um but it feels good alfie the bumptious brighton boy formerly known as a a lovely london local lad because we're top of the table coming at you with this um podcast so alfie anyway that's a weird roundabout me of uh way of me saying how are you my friend what are you saying lads yeah 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 i'm decent decent very very tired um, today, so I don't know if I'm going to be my, you know, analytical best. Um, not to to blow smoke up my own. What is it? Is it arse pipe? What is it ass, nose? Yeah. Ass, I guess yeah. you could blow smoke up any hole you want. It is your own body, your exactly. body, your choice. Uh, exactly. Um, but you know, I'm normally pretty, you know, serene. And pristine to listen to. I just was desperate to know what word you use. I yeah, I don't know why I ended up coming with that. I mean, this you can tell probably I'm tired. But anyway, we won, and as you said, we uh, go into the World Cup break five points clear and at the top of the league, and we're all dreaming. Um, and yeah, I believe this is. I don't know. If, did you say it? Episode one four four. I think, but who knows? It's episode one hundred forty four, though. Yes. Yeah. One four four. I'm trying to think of a uh, bus that I get in London, North London. The one four four. So goes to Edmonds and Green, which is actually near Tottenham. So I don't want to talk about that for too long. But yeah, and uh, it won't be our last podcast. We'll definitely be doing some stuff in the World Cup, like we did with the Euros. Keep it going. We'll probably have some transfer rumors to talk about and stuff as well. So yeah, don't leave us for the next month and a half, or whatever, six weeks, because um, we will be here. We'll be discussing. Maybe what we could do, I was thinking this, you know, we did the predictions pod, me and uh, yes. Rob, we could do an episode where we go and look at them uh, sort of halfway through the season and see how on course we are. We'll do that as part of an episode. But yeah, what are you saying, Danny? Not much, just the intro. And um, yeah, I think that could be cool. And then maybe, obviously, not maybe, obviously, definitely, we're going to be doing a lot of World Cup content. We've got two Americans. We've got two Brits. Both nations in the World Cup. For how long? <laughs> we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be exciting when uh, when the United States inevitably go on to win the whole thing. So good stuff. Um, anyway, enough of that crap. Who cares? It's not here yet. It's not for another week or so. So let's talk about the big week victory today. Alfie. Actually, oh yeah, week today. Yeah, I don't know when this is going to come out though. Um, but sure. yeah, it's a. Uh, it was. Let, let's just get right into the game. Let's let's dive right in. Coming into it, twentieth place is the side we're playing against. The the worst team in the league. 
Um, least amount of goals, you know, not that defense is really that much of a worry anymore, really. Um, but I still found myself, Alfie. I mean, I was confident. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say I wasn't confident. I was pretty sure we were going to win. But I still found myself kind of looking at this fixture being like, it's in Molyneux. You know, Wolves can be a bit of... Uh, wolves are just a really robust side. You know, I mean, I think Adama Traore pretty much personifies their team at the moment. You know, pretty damn scary at every other um, part of the game aside from scoring or any form of goal contributions. Um, so it's always kind of weird playing against Wolves because it is scary. But right now, I mean, they just look really, really out of sorts. But um, yeah, they just... I don't know. They're, they're one of those teams that scare me. How are you feeling coming into the game? Yeah, as much as sort of everything would point to us sort of coming there and steamrolling it um, then based on how they've been this season, it did feel like it was a potential banana skin with, you know, the World Cup. You know, we've been so consistent. Surely there's got to be some hiccups in there at some point. Um, our record there has been a bit inconsistent, I think. Um, I know we obviously had the game where we had two... I went down to nine men and lost that. Um, last season, we managed to hold out. Um, so, you know, it was it's not the cleanest of records there. So that, there's that. And also we had the, the the stomach issues in the squad, which I'm sure we'll touch on uh, in a bit. But so, yeah, it did feel like there was a potential banana skin. I think Wolves have been pretty diabolical this season, particularly offensively. Um, I think... Uh, Tim Stillman said this in a preview podcast they were doing the other day on Arsenal Vision. And he he was he was just talking about how you get these uh, teams that get promoted really good initially have like a very strong identity. You know, think back to Swansea when they come up when they came up as like a lovely possession based team. Stoke with their strong identity back when they were at the Brexit's you know long throw-ins, very physical long balls. Um, even Burnley you could say fit into that, and then. They do well at the start a bit, and then it gets a bit stale because uh, they don't change that. They don't evolve as a team. I think Crystal Palace have done well to finally evolve in the last couple of seasons um, under Patrick Vieira, but you know it was it was almost going stale that for them under Hodgson. I think it's got a bit stale at Wolves, and I think they're just sort of trying to patch things together and just scrape through to the World Cup breaks, so and they can regroup. They obviously had Lopetegui watching on. Um, and we looked absolutely miserable, <laughs> by the way. Did. I don't know if you saw the He's like, shit. <laughs> he was like, fucking hell, I've got a big job here. Uh, this is a very dysfunctional attacking team, albeit with some talented attacking players. And I think you mentioned Dodoma Traore. This is another thing I, I'm taking from Tim Stillman. I've read in his uh, column and last blog today about the game. Um. He said putting Dodoma Traore up front and just sort of hoping he'll produce something in the game uh, was sort of a, <laughs> a sign of where they are at the moment um, sort of a little bit directionless and just hoping that they can do something they don't really have many two ideas they just need that fresh coaching um, and it was pretty comfortable I'm sure we'll talk about the first half and how it was a bit slow at times but in the end it was a pretty routine three points um on a day, on a cold day at Molyneux, where half the players may have been had one eye on the World Cup, they got through it and they turned up and they were able to, you know, just sort of breeze through it, which was nice. And it was, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, at the end of the day, 
going into the World Cup. Our next Premier League fixture isn't until December 26th. I mean, that is a lot of time without playing for your club. So it, it was always just about winning. It didn't really matter how, you know, and, and this I think more so than any other match this season, the performance really didn't matter that much at all. It was just, If we would have got out with the, remember that Leeds result we got, you know, with the terrible 1-0 victory, I would have been more than happy with that, honestly, because obviously, as everyone well knows, the pressure was on too with Manchester City losing very theatrically to Ivan Tony's Brentford. Why the hell he's not in the English team? I will never know. Um, but hey, I don't care. Um, I think it served us because he was clearly pissed off <laughs> and he uh, he helped us out. So shout out to Tony. But um, anyway, it was just all about winning, man. And uh, like you said, the first half wasn't pretty. Um, and I think you're right, too, in saying that a lot of the players maybe do have one eye on the World Cup. How could you not? I mean, especially these guys like Martinelli, who, you know, he's never played at a World Cup. This is obviously a dream of his and everybody else uh, in the team that's going as well. Um, but Alfie, along with having an eye on the World Cup, I think let's let's go ahead and talk about this. We're not really about the starting lineup because no real surprises there. Um, I think the other eye was probably on their stomachs because something was going on. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but um, apparently some 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 tummy issues running rampant through the Arsenal dressing room. Granit Xhaka hooked at like the one minute mark. We were talking about this in the group chat. I was like, he well, can't he, be. He, he continued for a bit longer and then decided to come off. Yeah, and you know, it was one of those, it's weird, a stomach bug, and obviously we've all had them and gone through it, um, especially us drinkers here, here. Um, when like you're walking around and all stiff, you know, like, uh, you like look injured. So I was kind of like, shit, is he injured right before the world? That would be a catastrophe for Switzerland. Um, but, you know. Uh, Vin I said in the group chat he saw him vomit before the energy drink was even brought out or whatever. Who knows? Um, but then Arteta after the game said all these players, or not all the players, but a lot of players were were sick. Jacob was just the one that, that had to be hooked. So yeah, I think he said there were four of them that were struggling with this <sighs> bug. I mean, crazy. I mean, but, you know, I guess let's let's spin a positive narrative onto it. How good is it that we're having, you know, these sort of issues, you know, like illness. Injury is obviously going to come at some point. It does to every team in every season. But when these sort of hurdles are put right in front of us, we're jumping over them. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And we were able to adapt to Fabio Vieira and there's some, some tactical things I think we could say about that. But, I mean, if this was Spurs' attempt to get back at us for Lasagna Gate, uh, I mean, I know that's a conspiracy, but uh, then they failed drastically. We're just too good. We can deal with it. Um, and they probably needed something more potent in whatever they fed us because um, it clearly didn't affect enough of the players enough. Um, and yeah, we adapted well. And I think, you know, you said uh, about the starting 11, there's not many things to talk about. I think I think it's worth mentioning the Fabio Vieira substitution and the fact that Definitely. he did he did call on Vieira because you could have looked at it and said, you know, he could have brought on Sambi. He could have gone for Elmeni. I'm not sure how Elmeni would have worked in that left eight role. I think we may have had to change the change the system a bit. So I don't think that was ideal. But he could have brought in Sambi um, and he went for Vieira, despite Vieira struggling a little bit in recent games in, in cup competitions. Um, 
but he called upon him. It was a show of faith. Um, and I don't think he was outstanding in this game, but I did do think, uh, you know, we'll talk about later when we get into the goals. He did provide a very important contribution. Um, <laughs> and I did just think perhaps it was a day for him rather than Shaka. You know, someone who's really technically astute in tight areas um, because Wolves sat off so deep against us, no attempt to press us. And, you know, if you can get someone who's sort of slightly more gifted in those little areas, um, which I think it's not not to downplay how great Shaq has been this season, but if you think about um, if you think about uh, Fabio Vieira, he's just better suited to that, isn't he? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, it, they they were just sitting back so deep, and and like you said at the top of the show, the the obvious um, ambition of theirs was to just have slippery old quick Treore up front and hope to God he could do something. But um, obviously, it didn't pan out for them. But Alvi, I mean, let's talk about the general sort of tempo of the game. I think especially in the first half, it wasn't. Great. I don't know if the underlying metrics um, contest what I'm about to say, but the as as the eye tests go, it didn't look very good. We looked really slow. We didn't really appear to be making any solid um, chances, and it looked like we kind of had to feel out the game for the first 45 just to figure out how to penetrate that brick wall of Wolves defenders. I mean, I, I every every now and uh, then a game happens like this where I kind of like take a step back and I'll look at the whole screen just to see where all the players are situated. And it was pretty funny how the overwhelming majority of Arsenal players were in the Wolves half along with the Wolves players that were all in the Wolves half. Just literally the definition of parking the bus. And... It, you can tell, I mean, we were, uh, the commentators here in the States were being really, um, were full of praise for Arsenal, saying that they're being really patient, they're trying to figure it out, they're probing to try to unlock this um, bus, if you like. And yeah, but but it just looked to me, Alfie, at some point, like in that first 45, that we just didn't really know how to get through because there were just so many defenders back there. Yeah, I think this is something that, we're going to face more and more this season in the second half of the season. Um, as we get better, teams are starting to approach us like we are Man City. This is how teams play against Man City regularly, sitting very deep because they know if they try and go more toe-to-toe, they'll probably hit ripped to shreds. And they just don't trust themselves to press us. Um, we've seen it more recently. Forrest tried to do it. Um, and once we got going there, we absolutely railed them. Um, you know, Chelsea, even Chelsea did it to some extent. They were really passive in the way they approached the game against us. And I think, I think Wolves were probably the most striking of that so far. Incredibly deep. You look at the average position maps, they're so deep. Um, they're actually, the average position maps were quite, I'll talk about it in a second on the left hand side, but quite interesting. But yeah, just generally, we're going to have to find ways to break these teams down and we did it in the second half and I think the first half I think you're right it was a lot of slow possession I do think we could have moved the ball a bit more quickly um I think there were a couple times where they looked like they could hit us in transition but generally we got away with it um 
Actually, on the, the 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 Saliba thing, you know, the penalty moment. Did you think we got away with one there? Just a quick little aside. Well, it was very obviously offside. Um, I, I know there's this weird sort of discourse going on right now that, oh, it's close. I don't think it's close even. I think it's pretty obviously offside. I always try to go by the lines on the pitch, and uh, the player was just so well beyond our back line. I will say, though, Saliba does have to be careful because I think if it was onside, maybe there would be a discussion for a penalty. And then I think at that point, it really just depends on the referee's um, viewpoint on the VAR. I mean, if, if, in my opinion, I think it would have been given. Yeah, if it was if it was onside, because they go over to VAR, they look at it, they look at it at 30% speed. So every bit of contact looks like a punch in the face. You know, it looks significantly worse. So yeah, probably would have been a penalty, but we got away with one and... This is what good teams do, though, Alfie. We dominated the game. We dominated possession. And then when Wolves did come forward with chances, we got lucky at times. And sometimes it takes a little bit of luck. And when we rode that on that uh, particular occasion. But it did concern me a little bit just how clumsy I think Saliba looked in the in that particular challenge um, because he's been a guy oh, no. that... So I was I, just going to say, I think he's... Yeah. He's obviously done ins- insanely well to get back into that position initially because if you look at how far behind he was, hundred um, percent. You know, it's it's an outrageous show of pace um, to get there. You're right; it is a bit clumsy. But I I heard I like I I think it's quite hard to tell if he's onside or not. I heard suggestions that he was onside, and I'll have to see it again. But they the only angle they showed us was that sort of. Uh, withdraw not right on the line, not on the touchline. So, yeah. yeah, so you couldn't see the line properly, so it's quite difficult to tell. From from that picture, though, if it's the same one we're talking about, where it's kind of elevated from like a diagonal sort of viewpoint, it just looks so offside to me. Maybe I maybe I'm thinking of a different picture, but yeah, I I, I will sympathize with with Saliba a bit because as a guy who can't move fast at all, I could imagine it's pretty difficult to um, kind of stop yourself uh, immediately upon chasing back um, a really pacey attacker. So, yeah. But, but point is, I'm, I don't I don't really feel like dwelling on that too much, just because um, you know it, it didn't amount to anything. But yeah, I mean, you, if yeah. you were in, if you were in a <laughs> If you had the English broadcasters, Sky, the, the halftime coverage was literally just about that. They didn't say anything about the game. It was just that moment. And it was like, we're getting to the point where we, we're not watching sort of coverage and commentary and analysis on the game. We're just watching ref watch. Like what what is the Let's discuss this one refereeing decision rather than the narrative of the game. This sort of minor decision where it's a sort of half-hearted call for a penalty yeah it seems like you guys are pretty obsessed with that over there uh, along with just extremely biased coverage as well like to the point where they don't even try to hide it like for example our halftime and full-time um analysts here were um I think it's I think his name is Robbie Musto I can't remember who is to be fair he's a former Chelsea player and then Tim Howard, who's a former Everton player, obviously U.S. men's national team goalkeeping legend. But he, uh, or I should say, neither of them seemed to have any particular issue with Arsenal. And the the mediator lady Rebecca Lowe was just like, "Oh, do you think Arsenal can win?" And they were like, 
well, I think they have the talent to do so, but the squad depth, blah, blah. like they actually have a good analysis, you know, it's not like, well, it should have been a penalty, you know, like, and it just completely ruins any form of actual debate. Um, so British people, just do yourself a favor, get a VPN, watch the American coverage. It's way better. We have Peter Drury over here now because we give him that big American money, folks. Um, yeah, you can't, you just can't compete. We're like the Chinese league of uh, broadcasting. We just get all the best talent now. That is true. Isn't it, weird, isn't it weird the Chinese league just died off? Like yeah, that? I mean, I think there were some restrictions that came in about yeah. wage, salary caps and that. Mm. Yeah. They wanted to grow their own game, which, by the way, I get in respect, but then they just kind of killed that league's uh, yeah. potential, which is kind of funny. But um, anyway, let me ask you this about the first half that was a little lackluster, I think would be a good word to describe it, um, just in the and with the tempo especially. Do you think that it maybe came down to um, individual performances? Because I think that maybe um, the likes of Saka... And White, uh, to be fair with Saka, Saka was just double, triple marked the whole first half. So I don't think his was necessarily a poor performance. I think his was just marked out of the game. Um, White, on the other hand, weird game. Had a weird first 45, and there were just some moments where very un-sort of Ben White misplaced passes, uh, complacency on the ball, you know, did you feel like maybe White's or any other performances were sort of cause for us having a slightly disappointing first 45? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I attribute it fully to, um, what was I going to say? To individual performances. I think, I think it just was generally a bit slow from everyone. And I think Arteta alluded to that after the game. He said he wanted more intensity in the passing, more pace in the passing in that first half. And I think, again, as you said, we were just sort of probing uh, quite patiently. At the same time, we could have sped it up at times. You're right to point out the Saka thing. Um, they very strategically placed, um, I think it was Totti and um, Bueno, on that side, Bueno was meant to be some well, wing back, but he was basically like a left centre back at that time. Um, if you actually look at the average positions, it's mental how they they they've got Totti and Bueno on that side, very close to where Saka is, um, and his average position, um, and very deep. Um, so we were just get, getting no joy down that right hand side because of that. Um, you'd have thought it maybe opened a bit more space for Odegaard in the half space, but Odegaard wasn't making those runs in the first half into that space. I think the left side, this is what I wanted to mention about Vieira in the rest of that first half after he came on. I don't think, I think it took the left side a little bit of time to adapt to Fabio Vieira. We know in this system, um, I wrote it in our in our collab piece actually about Shaka. what he does most of the time in that position is or what is one of his biggest skill sets in that position is those aggressive, penetrative runs in that half space, and he's regularly he either he'll get picked out with balls from you know the likes of Zinchenko, Martinelli, Partey, or he he creates space by making that run, and he creates space for Martinelli to come inside for Zinchenko to get in that sort of area. And in this game. Fabio Vieira wasn't really making those runs initially in that first half. I think he was playing a more conservative game. And fair enough, he was trying to ease himself into it. He was getting the ball, keeping it nice and tidy. 
he wasn't really making those aggressive runs. I don't think the left side functioned very well in the first half, and I think the right side was just so heavily covered by Wolves that we didn't really find a way. I think the most likely route felt through uh, something that Gabriel Jesus was going to do. Who's you know, he was a live wire in that first half. He had our only good moments. He had a little header. He glanced wide. He had obviously the one that hit the bar, which came from a transition. It didn't come from us finding a way to break them down. And it looked like that was the only way we could get anything through a transition. It was, and that was a very nice move actually. Martinelli really good ball into Saka. I, I love the way Saka turned in that position, drove forward and slid uh, Jesus in. I think he's a bit unlucky with the finish, hits the bar. It's our best chance of the first half. Um, he had another one a bit earlier where he sort of um, wandered inside. It was a really nice run, and then it was a shot blocked. Yeah, I think out wide, we weren't carrying too much threat in that first half. It was just Jesus looking like our only way to score. The thing I would say about the first half and the results overall, you asked about the underlying metrics. I think the really positive thing about us at this point in the time, or one of the really positive things, is that even when it feels like we don't play at our best, uh, sort of in between the boxes, it feels like some of our build-ups slow. It feels like maybe they're being a little bit threatening on the transition. You then look at the underlying metrics and it's like they produced 0.5 XG throughout the whole game. Absolutely nothing. No good chances of note. We produced 2.1 XG. That's pretty good. We were, we had chances in this game. A lot of it came in the second half. But, you know, that shows that even when it feels like our whole game could be better and we're not our best. We still create enough chances to win the game and don't create any, uh, don't concede many good ones. So it, it, yeah, it feels positive. I agree. I mean, I mean, and this is why underlying metrics are so important though. I was just looking at the surface level stats and uh, wolves, 11 shots, us 14, but then XG wise, we were four times better. I mean, this is why you have to look at that sort of stuff. And yeah, I mean, with, you know, the lacklusterness um, attacking wise in the in the first half, by the way, uh, a moment from Jesus, uh, you and I talked about a little bit in the chat, the offside goal he scored with the insane touch. I was like, how the hell did he even take that down? That was incredible. Very, very Brazilian, if you like. God, I'm so and excited. And a beautiful to watch finish as well. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, son of a... B-. I mean, to be fair, miles offsides. But like... Man, I was like, ah, oh, I want I want Jesus to get that goal so bad. Obviously, he has been immense in every other department. Just in front of goal, just things are a little bit weird right now. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit because you can't. You know, I mean, to be fair, while everything has been great with Jesus, he is a striker. So you do want him to score goals. Um, but anyway, I never really felt that scared during the game. My fear was only there. My anxiety was only present prior to the match. Like... Even on the counterattacks that Wolves did have, and on some instance, in some instances they did look, you know, relatively threatening just with how fast they were on the transition. They would do one pass, Treore takes it, goes all the way up the pitch. I'd be like, dang, man. But our defense, Alfie, is what we paid for. We paid good money for this defense. We paid a lot of dough for each one of the members that make up this back line and the guy between the sticks, too. And it is showing, dude. Uh, we have the joint best defense in the league. We have the joint most clean sheets. I mean, 
this is, you know, it's not to quote some Manchester United hack, um, but, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson said it. I mean, attack wins you games. Sure, that's true. But defense is what wins you titles. And Alfie, our defense right now is looking absolutely rock solid. And when you're going up against yeah, a team like Wolves... It, it brings through in... Sorry, it brings through in the underlying metrics as well. Like, we... I think we've conceded 4.2 XG in six away games. This uh, Sorry, in eight I mean, away wow. games this season, which is wow. mental. I... I just pressed mute like six times. Um, I, if you remember in the um, in the Predictatron, we can't use, we can't use that. That's our cast thing. But in our Predictor Pod, I should call it. I uh, I said something along the lines. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but if you can concede less goals than there are Premier League games, then that means your defense is generally in very good shape. And I think that we're on. Well, I think we can and should we're do on that. Less than a goal a game at the moment. So yeah, and that would be an incredible return. You know, couple that with getting at least a goal every game. Boom, you're in business, man. You know, in theory, you're going to be getting a lot of points. So well, we're over two goals a game at the moment, which is good. Beautiful. I mean, and even if maybe maybe that'll go down a bit. Um, who knows? But. Things are looking just so good right now. And then, so let's stop talking about the negative crap. Let's talk about the fun stuff in the in the second half. Looked a lot more assured, I think, even just from the off. I think we looked a little bit more um, able to get through. And uh, let's, let's not waste any time. Let's talk about that first goal. I mean, the pass here from Gabriel Jesus, Alfie, is a thing of absolute beauty. I don't want to hear this comparison to... The weird guy, clunky guy that plays for Liverpool that gets a lot of goal contributions. They're not the same. I don't care if Darwin Nunez finishes with twice as many goals as Jesus. Honestly, I don't. Because what Jesus brings to the table, just apart from goals, is incredible. This pass is phenomenal. And when you couple that with all the pressing, all the defense, everything else he does in the game, it's beautiful. Um, Fabio Vieira has been having... I, I what I would consider um, we'll talk about Vieira more extensively here in a few minutes um, but he's been having what I would consider a more um, tricky time than than most players right now and a lot of people have been questioning his I think his physique in particular um, but beautiful little assist right into the middle to Martin Odegaard who apparently has found a scoring touch yeah and uh, I mentioned in the first half and about the first half that I thought the left-hand side wasn't functioning as we usually like it to. The first time it did work was when Jesus managed to peel out. By the way, there's a really underrated aspect to this goal, which is the Martinelli uh, dribble before he cuts inside, gets around a few players, carries it forward all the way from his own half, right until the edge of the box, gets past another player and then gives out to Zinchenko before Zinchenko finds Jesus. And it's the first time the left-hand side really functioned was when Jesus decided to peer out to that side and receive that pass from Zinchenko. Uh, comes inside, and it's the first time Fabio Vieira made that run in that entire game. I spoke about how Shaka does that so well. Fabio Vieira made that run in that inside channel. Brilliant run, and it's a brilliant pass, as you said. You know, it's Jesus... I don't think there are many other strikers in the Premier League that do that sort of, that bring that sort of play uh, to your build-up. And it was the first 
time we got in behind them properly, apart from maybe that when Jesus hit the bar, first, you know, real penetrative moment in the game. Um, and in that moment, Fabio Vieira showed his technical quality. We've spoken about how his, as you just said there, his physique uh, could potentially improve. I know at the start of the season, they said internally that they didn't want him to put on muscle because they thought it might take away from sort of elusiveness. Um, I think we're seeing that maybe he does need to discover creatine or something. Um, <laughs> and Vieira... Shout out steroids, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe just get get uh, Vieira pumping roids. Uh, come, yeah. back, come back after the World Cup and he'll look like The Rock and no one will question it. <laughs> I like how Bayern just like roid up their players and they just come back <laughs> ripped in a month and everyone's like, yeah, dude, it's just the protein bars. Uh, shout out Goretzka. Um, he's the infamous one. Uh, and yeah, he showed his technical quality there. It's really, you know, it again, we speak about Shekhar's quality. I don't know if he produces that sort of deafness um, and acute in that position um, it's it's really really smart for me he takes it to the byline away from, and sort of uh, pulls the goalkeeper in and expects it and then it's just a lovely little deft ball and it's sort of that's the only thing he could do in that position to create a chance of that quality um, and it's brilliant and Odegaard um, I think I spoke about it on a recent podcast about how I think it was after the Forest win I think his his role has changed this season to a little bit, and there's clearly so much more emphasis on him getting into the box, uh, and 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 that you can see there's more urgency on his part when the ball is you know being uh, built up on the left hand side. Obviously, he operates mainly on the right hand side. He wants to get into the box and get him on the end of things, which is something we just hadn't seen from him even last season. I know he ended up with seven goals, but a lot of those goals are sort of longer range. Um, finishes. We don't. We rarely saw him get into the box into really good chance uh, goal screen positions. Um, and actually, on the prediction podcast, I think Rob. Actually, I mentioned this to Rob in the Forest game. <laughs> he said he thought it'd go the other way and he'd, he'd get deeper on the pitch um, and do more sort of ball progression type stuff. But instead, it's gone the other yeah, way. Yeah, I probably agreed with that. I, yeah, I, I bet I did. Well, I, I remember saying he'd get. We'll look when we do the podcast, uh, the prediction reflection thing. But I think I said eight goals, um, and you and Danny, uh, you and Rob had it closer to like five or something. He's already exceeded that, and you know he's on six. So we'd be a bit disappointed if uh, he didn't get to double figures now. But yeah, should talk about the second goal. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Look, we'll we'll talk about both of them at the same time, and more so, I think, just Odegaard in general. Um, Alex Strad made a really good point in the. In the chat, you know, we're just casually talking about how our creative midfielder has six goals already this season. That is a phenomenal return. That's a great return. I mean, you would, yeah, you would be disappointed if he didn't get over double figures. And Alfie, what I like a lot about both of these goals, and I think the thing they kind of have in common, is that maybe there were players in the general vicinity of the ball when it was struck that you would actually prefer to hit it in the first goal, especially he actually kind of steps in front of Saka and puts it in the back of the net. Reminds you a bit of that finish a few weeks ago where he just steps in front of Jesus and just slashes at home. You know, maybe this is a part of Odegaard's game. That's, that's starting to shine through um, that little bit of selfishness. Um, but yeah, in the second goal too, there's, you know, Martinelli's in the box. Jesus is in the box. All these, you know, killer finishers and Odegaard just says, now, nah, you know what, man, I'm just going to keep things simple and I'm just going to kick it through traffic. And, um, 
yeah, there we go. Beautiful little goal. I, I like these ones where it's like, um, there's just so much going on in the box. How many players were in there? Like nine? <laughs> you know, that's that's insane. a complete change to this season, isn't it, as well? We get so many more players into the box in key positions. Remember years gone by where it was just like, there's no one in the box. It'd be Aubameyang by himself, and he's not exactly the biggest. I know he is a box present, but he's not like a physical presence. He can't dominate the box by himself. Um, we've got no one anywhere near him. Now it's, you know, you see four or five players rushing into the box. Um, yeah, it's great. Absolutely. And then when you couple that with the six or seven defenders that are in there too, it just looks so funny. It's just so concentrated in there. Obviously that might leave us a little bit prone to, you know, counterattacks, but much like playing the ball out of the back, it's high risk, high reward football. And we reap the rewards for it this time. Odegaard just nice little finish. I love I love, we talked about luck, Alfie. I loved a little bit of luck that Martinelli gets with recovering the ball, man. I don't know. That defender is probably just like. I don't have to, is that luck though? I mean, it's, not it's, luck. Luck. Well, it's luck in the fact that it wasn't great from that defender. Yeah. Um, but it's really good, like pressing hard work. It's a result of hard work, basically. It's Yeah, it reminds me a bit of, you know, okay, think about the, uh, the, Think about a ton of those, you know, Eddie and Ketia swipes, or the most notable one was uh, Benzema's Liverpool goal, right? Obviously, way more lucky than this, but like, you have to work hard to press to be in that position to, you know, get the positive out of it. But I think the just the defender did really good one to get to the ball, but then when he got on it, it looked like he just didn't really know what he was supposed to do. So then he like had it on the line, and Martinelli was just like there's just a free ball there. So he just took it and just ran in. And it was, it was a really strange sort of situation, but one that we, um, you know, really took advantage of. And then Odegaard, I mean, celebrations. I, I love the celebrations from Odegaard too. patting the badge, the old knee slide. You know, these are maybe things I don't typically associate with him because I think he's a really sort of coy, quiet, calculated guy who maybe doesn't always get, super emotional. Um, he's very, you know, consistent, I guess is the word I was looking for. I did some weird hand motion. I don't know if this video is going to be up even, um, but yeah, no, he's just a really consistent sort of, and I mean this respectfully, by the way, boring personality sometimes, you know? So it was kind of nice to see him get like, very like, yeah, Arsenal, you know? I mean, I, I loved it, but tell me about what you thought about the goal, Alfie. Yeah, it was nice to see. Um, and we know he is the captain and him showing that. I think he is he is passionate, but maybe he's not, uh, as you said, um, as rambunctious a word you like. He's, he doesn't, he's not as expressive in his celebrations at times. And that was nice to see. Um, I think Zinchenko does really well to, A, make the movement and uh, give Martinelli the option to play the uh, back heel, but also he's really composed in that situation, takes it to the last possible moment to pick someone out. Um, and then it's a bit of a luck that Martinelli's shot um, rebounds uh, to straight to Odegaard, but it is a really controlled, nice finish. Um, and just on the Odegaard increased goal threat, I thought I'd pull up some stats because that's what I do um, to sort of show it. His XG per 90 uh, in the loan season with us, 0 0.08 per 90. Last season, 0 0.17. This season, 0 0.35 xg per 90 he is getting much better chances and much more often um 
and shots per 90. Last season, he was taking 1.7 shots. This season, he's taken 2.5 shots per 90. So it's definitely an yeah. asset, wow. facet of his game, which he's improved um, drastically. And I thought after that, it was just so comfortable. Like, it gave, it relaxed us a bit, um, and it, we just we just didn't look under pressure at all after that. I think Ramsdale had one save where he palm over to the bar over the bar, but other than that, I can't think of any notable moments they had. Um, and it was just we sort of just killed the game. How we do, uh, how Man City do it, how the top teams do it by just sort of keeping the ball and preventing them from getting anywhere near our goal, um, which was lovely. It was. I mean, I personally, I know for the neutrals, if that even exists, obviously, I'm pretty, I'm always rooting for someone when I'm watching a game. I don't know what that neutral word even means. Um, but like, it's, it's one of those where like, if it's your team and they sort of make it boring, you're like, ah, but if maybe you're just watching, hoping for chaos, you're like, this sucks. I'm turning this off, you know, cause you just know where it's going. And I love that we know where it's going. Exactly and- that. Sometimes I, I just like, oh, City. Oh, they've just made their 4,000th pass in a row. Can I be asked to watch that? But then when, <laughs> exactly. we, do the, when we do the exact same thing, I'm purring over it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, remember the uh, the Pep Guardiola Barcelona days? It's it's same with Pep Guardiola Manchester City. I mean, like there were times in those Barcelona days that they, have, they had the most entertaining players ever. And I was just like, hmm so boring because you just know what's going to happen. They're not going to concede because they have 93% possession, you know? So uh, it's, it's so nice to be able to go through this. And I love that we're also obsessed with not letting the ball trickle onto the back of the net, man. There was that video that's been going around on Twitter. Zinchenko, I don't remember whether it was in the first half or second half. I know you know. Um, but he did some error. And Ramsdale is furious. He's like... Quit fucking about, you know. I just yeah, love that was that. second half. He got caught on the ball and they sort of broke. I think that's when he did make that save, actually, when he palmed it over. Okay, there you go. Um, I think he shouts, uh, don't take the fucking piss or something like that. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I love that. And and then, you know, you hear the same thing about, um, you know, Ben White is like it too. Gabrielle, you know, they're all just yelling at each other because they're all so obsessed with keeping clean sheets. I don't know what Saliba likes, but um, he stays quiet and he goes about his business world in a world-class fashion. So we've got a great defense. And then, you know, think about a couple years ago, Alfie, or even just last season. I mean, on the attack, if Saka was marked out of the game, we're kind of like, what do we do? What do we do now? Now it's like, oh yeah, no, go ahead. Double mark Saka. That's fine. That just gives more room for Jesus and Martinelli to absolutely wreak havoc on your defense. And I think that's what we've sort of figured out. You know, all these teams now are double marking Saka, but guess what? If you're double marking Saka, that gives Martinelli more space. So, Yeah, we've, we've come a long way from uh, get the ball to Tierney on the, on the byline and cross and inshallah. Um, you know, there's a, we are a lot more, we have these ta- uh, patterns of play and there's a lot more complexity to it now. Um, and thank God um, that and, you know, it was Tierney and Saka. Those were our two attacking outlets and we had absolutely nothing else for a time. And yeah, it was, it's just lovely to win again. Should we do some individual, individual performance? Should we do what uh, 
we've been doing a bit recently where we each get two players to talk about. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yes. Who came up with that? That's yeah. good. I like well, that. Well, technically, Arsenal Vision. But oh, okay. <laughs> well, who is that? They call it a stock rising um, on their oh. Instant Reaction podcast. But we'll just say two two players. I'll start. Danny, give me your first one. Oh, I got, I got a name. Two thumbs up. Okay. Um, hmm. Huh. Well, I got to say the obvious, man. I'm sorry. Martin Odegaard. I think just apart from the goals, even what I like so much about him is it's not just goal contributions um, with Odegaard. It never has been. He also was just one of the best players on the pitch. Um, and I love that. I think it was a phenomenal performance from Odegaard and so classy. And guess what? It wasn't a sunny day at the Emirates. And he still showed up, and I love that. And he's playing like a it's captain a cold right now. Saturday night at Molyneux in in the the cold, wet Midlands, and he delivered uh, just before, you know, in November, just before he has a ten day holiday. You know, it's, he turned up exactly. And then, since that one was kind of obvious, I'll try to. Well, I don't know. Maybe this one's a little obvious too, but I've just been so. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna take a big bite, Alfie Coleshaw, right now of humble pie. If anybody reads Finton's Frolics, they know that a few weeks ago I said that Thomas Partey has been a cataclysmic failure of a signing for Arsenal, and he has basically shot me right in the face. Um, I think he has been phenomenal. And I think if this form continues, he'll be probably in the team of the season um, next to his partner, Granit Xhaka. They have both been superb. Xhaka in a different way, Partey in the way that maybe you would expect. But yeah, that would be my other shout out. I mean, he's just so dominant in the middle of the field. that He's the amount of, of responsibility that he's tasked with is crazy, you know, and I'm not sure, you know, if there's anybody else that I could even think of that could do this sort of a job of being in control of the middle of the park, helping out on defense and helping build attacks. So those would be my two thumbs up, if you like, would be Martin Odegaard and Thomas Partey. I think they have been instrumental um, for us this season, you know, just in general play and obviously amongst the goals as well. So yeah, Partey and Odegaard for me. Uh, Clive claimed an Arsenal vision into reaction yesterday that He's the best midfielder in the Premier League right now, um, Thomas Partey. Partey? Yeah. And well, I think you... I mean, obviously you've got Kevin De Bruyne on that, but I mean, like, players in his position, like, as a number right. six. I don't think it's... I don't think I don't think it's wrong, to be honest. I think people are a bit scared to say it, but you look at Rodri and everything he does, I don't think... I think Thomas Partey's role at Arsenal is more demanding than that. Um do okay, what, yeah. This is how I like to look at this. Put Partey in Manchester City's team. I mean, yeah, and then it, put it'd be, it'd be in ours. insane. It'd be insane. Um, on uh, Partey, I think in this game in particular, I I liked what he did off the ball quite a bit. I think he stopped a lot of those Wolves counters. Um, did have some defensive stats of his up. Um. Yeah, While I mean, you're doing that, just one thing that only, there's only one thing that pissed me off about Partey's game, and I think it's sometimes he lets the sort of La Liga vibes re-enter his brain, and there's just some instances, <coughs> you know, when he like passes it and he just dinks it like with his stud, and I'm like, what are you doing? Um, 
one, you know, but apart from that, pretty damn near perfect this season. Yeah, I think this game, it was more about his defensive work. I mean, three tackles. I think his passing wasn't quite as progressive um, in general. I don't think he he tried as much progressive stuff. Um, he just tried to keep it ticking and then, you know, help stop those transitions. Um but nevertheless, yeah, a, a good performance from, from Partey. I, I'll go... I'm going to start with Gabriel. I want to shout out Gabriel. I think it does feel at the moment like, obviously, both part, uh, both Saliba and Gabriel, I feel like, have been pretty good in every game, both of them. But I do feel like every week it's either or who has like the outstanding game and the other one is like good. Um, and I think he was the outstanding player in this game. Um, you know, it's just his his physicality, his recovery pace. He made some really vital interventions that did stop some Wolves uh, counters that looked slightly promising. He they he just sort of nullified them a few times um, and just was in the right place at the right time. I thought he was imperious is the word for our centre-backs this season, but I think it was, it was him. And I think it was, yeah. And I think it was, you know, Saliba was outrageous at Stanford Bridge. And I still thought he was good in this game, but it was, you know, it was a slightly, his his level wasn't quite at the same level. I think he does seem to have one of those sort of square passes, uh, square loose passes right into them uh, in him. Um, he's doing it, you know, every couple games at the moment. Um, and, you know, you can't really lay him into him, lay into him when he's getting 93% pass accuracy every game. You know, he'll, he'll play 90 eight out of 99 passes. It's just occasionally it seems like the one that he doesn't make uh, can put us in a bit of danger. Um, so I'm not going to get too worked up about it, but he did do that no, in this game. No. And I do think, I think he's... Much like, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, I think much, much like White, I, I think these guys are just, and I mean this in the most endearing way possible, they're cocky little shitweeds. So they're going to put you into that sort of, you know, situation one time or another. But again, high risk, high reward football, playing the ball out of the back like that. Yeah, and you know most of the time it, it hasn't cost us yet a goal, so I think it's fine. Um, and the good thing is, we've got, when he does do that, who are the players that are going to be recovering uh, that position? It's Saliba and Gabriel, two great defenders. So generally, we get away with it. But I also think there's, if there's one area defensively of his game that still there's maybe a slight question mark over, and that's not to say he hasn't been sub- superb. This season, I do think occasionally he can still get caught out aerially. Um, I think he's still got he's got to work a little bit to make that part of his game flawless, like the rest of his game pretty much is. Um, but Gabriel, I think, was the better of the two centre backs today. And my other one, I'm going to go with Jesus. I think it has to be Jesus. I think we spoke about his goals. Um, I don't want to have that goal conversation again because we all know. Yes, he isn't the most absolutely ruthless finisher. I do think the goals will come. Um, and I was listening to a Patreon podcast um, on Arsenal Vision. Shout out them again. Uh, where maybe they suggested uh, part of Jesus's uh, finishing issues at the moment is perhaps because he is asked to do so much and he does so much in this team. And then when he gets into the position to shoot, he's almost like he's run like five million miles already. And he's just sort of 
you know, lacks the energy. So like, it's another component of his game he has to produce. But in this game, he's all over the place. So there was one moment where it looked like a Dharma trial where he was going to be through on the right-hand side and all of a sudden someone comes in. I'm like, oh, that's a good defensive intervention. Who was it? Saliba? I oh, know it's Jesus. Um, you know, he was just popping up in these defensive positions. And I was like, wow. He was popping up really deep at times to link play. And then he still manages to get himself in the box. That's the difference between him and Lacazette. We praise some of the things Lacazette did deeper on the pitch, some of his link play, some of the defensive work he did. But then we get into the box and where is he? He's still on the halfway line. Um, he's getting one shot a game. He's, he's getting, you know, absolutely no chances. Um, whereas Jesus is still getting into the positions, which is why I'm not worried about him scoring. I think it, they'll come. You know, we see a five shots in this game, 0.4 XG. You know, it's it's not like the chances aren't coming. Um, and, you know, if you're getting four to five shots every game, the goals are going to come. No matter, it's just law of averages. So he, he will start scoring again. So I'm not worried about that. I don't think it's even worth stressing about, even though we do want him to score. But I think, yeah, he was just really good in this game. Obviously, he created the opening goal, essentially. And that was like the key moment in the game. So yeah, brilliant performance from Jesus. Anything you want to I say? Fully I fully agree. I I that's I was I was really debating between him and uh him and Partey, to be honest, because I think Jesus, much like Partey, has just been phenomenal this season. And I agree with you. I mean, I think with Jesus's goals, it'll just be one of those things where when he gets that first one back, you know, he's gonna have one of these games, he's gonna just have a tap in from like two yards out. And I think, like a lot of strikers, um, for better or for worse, they're all such confidence players. And then when they finally put the ball into the back of the net, they just get so much more belief in their abilities to uh, to score. So I'm not that worried about it either. If he was having bad performances and not scoring, then I'd maybe be asking questions. But right now it's just like, even though he's not scoring as many goals as we would prefer if you bring an Eddie and Ketia on for him instead, the drop off is going to be miles. And I love Eddie and Ketia, but that's just the truth because what Jesus brings to the table is just pretty much, it is unmatchable. I think he is our most talented player, I would say, Jesus, you know, next to probably Saka and, and Partey, I think. Um, he's just got the all around game sort of sorted out. Um, so, yeah. Great, great point. I, I absolutely love Jesus and what he's been doing this season. So let's hope when we come back, um, you know, from the World Cup, uh, he can, uh, you know, get back to his scoring ways. One last little tidbit we'll do before we draw this bad boy to a close because we're nearing an hour. Can we win the Premier League? Uh, I'm going to deflect from the question uh, just because I wanted to mention the fullback Politic. <laughs> I think uh, White. I just fall backing just... away from the question. <laughs> it's just a, a mental stat I wanted to say about Ben White in this game. Um, and you're going to hear it. Any any Ben White propaganda? I am glad to hear. Did you see that thing exactly. <laughs> where he got where he got called up to the English national team and he just shared the thing with them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone else was like, oh, doing an actual post saying this is an honor on a dream come true to play in this tournament. He just puts, he just shares it to his story without any words. <laughs> um, yeah. Where is he? Ben White, 25 passes into the final third. That is 
like if you're getting eight that is like you're do getting a lot you know you're in like probably a 90 like fifth percent off you're getting eight per game he managed 25 in this game and i mentioned how i thought insane i know him and him and uh i mentioned how i thought Partey did less of the ball progression in this game and i think it was taken on by the two fullbacks i think sinchenko had maybe a few questionable moments defensively and he did let it run behind him a couple times but on the ball i mean to combine, they have 37 final third entries in this game because Sinchenko produced 12. I thought they were Dude, both. we're the new Liverpool. Trent Alexander-Arnold Ex- Exactly. Robinson, That's what our fullbacks are there for now. They're to progress the ball and then to stop transitions. Um, you know, they, they play those inverted roles and they're excellent at it. And that's why Tierney isn't starting at the moment. Um, but I just wanted to mention both of them. And also shout out Ramsdale for another clean sheet. Thought he was he made one save he had to make, but it's it's more about you know he's not making many saves at the moment because we're not facing many shots yeah, on target. Was... But it's it's more about his, his. I thought his distribution was good and also uh, just commanded his box well. A few good, re- really good claims. I was gonna say he was just really good off his line too. You know, I mean, he's 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 nicely aggressive to the point where like you know. You watch a lot of the uh, you, well, you watch like a Manuel Neuer in his prime, for example, and just he would give you anxiety from coming off the line. Ramsdale, though, I feel like is really good at judging when it's best to come off and when it's best to just sort of stay home. And I think there were a couple instances against Wolves where he did that really well. Um, and then g- good at saves too. And then his oh, forget about his playing it out from the back. I mean, remember I know I've said this probably nine times on this podcast, but remember when we thought Vern Lano's three yard passes out of the back. Remember when we thought that was playing it out? <laughs> <laughs> it's to be fair, it was because look at the step up from Czech to Leno in that aspect. It was true, not true. Right. I was watching the Fulham United game earlier, and I was <laughs> seeing Burn Leno, and he, he gave a, he tried those little clips into midfield that Ramsdale pulls off expertly, um, and he gave the ball away pretty much every time he tried it. And United were in on the transition. Did you see that the? Uh... Fulham fans were, or sorry, not Fulham fans, uh, Bournemouth fans were chanting, uh, I don't know when this was, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago or something, but they were chanting, you're just a shit Aaron Ramsdale. That's what we chanted uh, when we played Fulham. I mean, we mainly gave it to Amy Martinez. Um, um, that hurts my feelings with Leno. He's a good servant and a good guy. Yeah, I, I don't think it was, we actually chanted that that much. Um, it was mainly towards uh Martinez, because we all know what he said. Anyway, Senator Alfie, can we win the Premier League? Answer my damn question. Yes, we can. Why not? Of course we can win the league. Um, you know, need some luck. We're, we're currently at 31% uh, on Scott's model, however that, that works. I'm not sure how it works. Uh, not sure if that means much, but, you know, that shows I think that he just picks even... a number out of a hat. <laughs> even statistically they're saying that there's you know there's a good chance like there's a one in almost one in three chance we do it from this position you know it's mental that like we should be like firmly uh considered like like we should be in a very good position to win the title and we should be like people should be seeing us the favorites the fact that we're not shows kind of how fucked the prem is um with man city's dominance that they can be five points behind 
a team that's won 12 out of 14 games um, and they're still like considerable favourites. But, you know, there are single points of failure in that team if Erling Haaland uh, continues to be a bit injury prone, which he has been in the past, then perhaps there's light there. Uh, if they were to lose Kevin De Bruyne, that'd be a huge blow. I don't know. We it was still very much up against it, but we don't even need to go and beat City. If we can retain even a decent level of consistency, then we're going to be in the mix. Um, you know, Man City, they'll probably get over 90 points again. Can they get 100 points? I'm not too sure. I don't, I'm not sure they're going to be centurions this season. Can we get over 90 points? The way we're playing at the moment, yes. I think we would need to strengthen in January, but we might as well dream. Like, And it's not outrageous at this point. It's, yeah. it's feasible. Like Things can happen. They're probably going to be affected by the World Cup more than us. There's all this narrative that we're going to collapse because it will disrupt our momentum. But I actually think, uh, shout out my piece as a little plug before the marketing opportunity of Lifetime. I wrote about Arsenal's 2022 World Cup schedule. Um, and who's sort of there, who's playing, when they're likely to come out, how much they're likely to play. Um, and we have six fewer players at the World Cup than Man City. And we have players who are going to be nowhere near as involved as those City players are with their national teams. So I think, if anything, they're more likely to be affected by us, even though they have a bigger squad. But we are just two games from January now uh, and being able to strengthen our squad in that time. Yeah, I think... Okay, here's the thing. I think we can win. Sadly, I'm not sure if we will. Um, because I do think City are still the favorites. Just because, you know, it's it's so gross. Like, we, I think, have built this squad of, like, 15 or so. Whatever it is. I, I, I would look at the team sheet and figure it out. But 15 or so very good players. Unfortunately, City have about 30. <laughs> you know, they just are like from top to bottom phenomenal. And most of them would probably still start in our team. You know, so it's just that's how good of a side they are at the moment. So what I worry about and touch wood, knock on wood, burn wood. We've done this before. Do whatever you want with wood. Do something with wood, please. God, um, I think a couple injuries in even areas that aren't vital you and i were talking about this in the group chat you were like well if holland and de bruyne are, are injured and it's like well yeah that's like us saying if Saka and jesus get injured you know of course we're gonna die too but like in those maybe not so key areas um where if they pick up an injury then you have you know kyle walker or someone else coming in instead you know whereas we maybe aren't quite in that sort of situation but i do think our depth is maybe being our, our depth issues are being a little overblown i think I think we have pretty decent depth now. I mean, you know, you've got guys like Zinchenko that could play in multiple positions, you know, granted Jaka um, is a machine apparently. And the only weakness he has is tummy bugs. So I think we're in a, a relatively good, good sort of uh position, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really too fussed about whether or not we actually can win. I just want to enjoy this moment, man. I think, We've just been asking for this for years. We just want to challenge, man. We just want to push. Like even, you know, say we do some, you know, 
we have some good season and we finish 15 points off of Manchester City, but we come second. I'll be like, well, shit, man. You know, we came second to a $10 billion team. And I don't we think we I, th- I think it would take something pretty monumental for us to finish 15 points behind them at this stage. Yeah, totally. I get, I get I your point. I get the sentiment. And yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd say enjoy the journey and don't worry too much about the uh, the destination because, you know, our initial destination uh, goal was to get in the top four. And I think we're going to do that. So we can sort of, you know, it's, it's almost like a, f- there's never going to be a better season to do it. Well, there may not be a better season to do it in the next five years. We, d- we don't know. So we have to try and do it, but we shouldn't stress too much about it. And as you were saying there, I think, you know, about the 15 players thing, you know, we, if we are to do it, we will have, we will get lucky or we have to get lucky um, yeah, with injuries. Yeah, 100%. You look at Liverpool's squad that won the title. Um, their depth wasn't that outrageous. City had a far deeper squad, but the their players played every game. You know, Salah, Mane, you know, if they got injured, they'd be screwed, but they played 36, 37, 38 games, something around those those regions you know we would have to get something have something similar in order to do it and that is plausible but it's also you know could any moment someone could get a bad injury so you know especially when they're not protected from refs like Bukayo Saka <laughs> exactly um but we can strengthen in January so and I'm sure we'll have a lot of content surrounding that over the World Cup break we absolutely will and you know what I will say just to draw this kind of bad boy to a close last thing for once going into the January window that's coming up, I'm actually feeling kind of confident, man. I think we're going to get a couple players, and it looks like, and a lot of reports have been saying this, I think the Cronkies now even see this as a season like, oh, shit, we can win this league. We just got to maybe add a couple more guys. I think if we get two good players in in the January window, that would be a great, great midseason window. Um, and I think it's really doable. I mean, we're talking about these guys like, like Mudrick or whatever the heck from uh, from Shakhtar, and he's going to cost like sixty million or so. You said you have some reservations about him. We'll talk about that in a future ep. Um, but I don't think you maybe have to spend that much money, man. Look at these guys like you know your Yuri Tielemans, who's just about to run out of contract. You know, there's probably a guy in a similar situation that's a winger too. So I I, I think January is pivotal, man. I think that could really help to make or break us because I would imagine city will probably bring in some reinforcements and in, in that window too. Anyway, though, it's been a good episode, Alfie. Um, we're going into the freaking break on top of the table. Just let's take a moment to appreciate how surreal that is. I could watch the world cup five points as well. Five points, not just one point, man, five points ahead. I, I know you're kind of similar to me. You, you'll support England like I'll support the United States, but I don't really care, you know? Like, at the end of the day, I just want to watch good ball, man, you know? And it feels good that you could just sort of get Arsenal for right now, put it over on this shelf, maybe not think about it apart from the January transfer window, take a break, take a detox from it, and just enjoy the World Cup, folks. Um, it's this is, this is the least controversial World Cup there's ever been, so we have to <laughs> sit there and enjoy it. Um, yeah, you know, so any, without further ado, my marketing opportunity of a lifetime is the, the best company in the world, FIFA. No. Um, no, Alfie, what is your marketing opportunity of a lifetime? Uh, I'm going to counter that. Uh, FIFA thing and say, Mama, I'll I'll plug 
the FIFA documentary on Netflix that's just come out. Oh, uh, yeah, I I've, only watch the, I've only watched the first half of the first episode, but it's pretty good already. And it's about it's the rise of Seth Black on the first episode. It's good. Um, and also just something you said there about City getting reinforcements. I actually think I saw a, an article about Pep saying they won't sign anyone in January, which is slightly promising. But yeah. Um, and He has a soft spot for us. Have you noticed that? Yeah, Pep, maybe it's, like, it's his prodigy doing bits. Yeah, well, he wants even, us to even win in the days, league, down. He, he's like, let's let's let Arsenal have one. Even remember when Arsene Wenger was our manager, he would be so like, oh, Arsene Wenger, such a legend, such a such a great manager. You know, like yeah, I think I think he wanted that Arsenal more than now. you believe. Yeah, we cannot replace him. We cannot, except we with the best striker him. ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my other plug, um, we love you also the co UK, uh, and the, specifically the article, the article that I was speaking about just a bit before, about eight minutes ago, I believe now, uh, about our World Cup schedule. Um, if you want to know the dates and the ins and outs and who's going to play and sort of looking at it intrinsically, um, then go and check that out. It's a, it's a piece I enjoyed writing. Because um, I nice. I learned stuff as a researcher in that. Yeah, have a look. Such a good journalist, Alfie. I haven't done research for an article since like 1976. I don't care. I just write stupid <laughs> crap. So speaking of which, um, what I'm on a marketing opportunity of a lifetime is my new Fintons Frolic that uh, was supposed to come out Saturday, but I don't like releasing uh, articles on the day of a match. Um, so it got put out on Sunday after. I don't know when this is coming out, so it's today, but... Um, it's about Zinchenko's throw-ins. Um, basically the gist of the story is they're going to completely ruin our title charge. And when he misthrows the ball, he may as well just be throwing that league title wrap right back at, uh, at, right back at Manchester city. I mean, we're, we're hopeless. We're hopeless with this guy. The second coming of, of Bellerin regarding throw-ins. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope, I uh, hope the king of foul throw-ins Hector Bellerin gets a mention. I mean, he does, so don't worry. And then also our long throws that have come out of nowhere, Stoke City-esquely from Mr. Thomas Partey, also make an appearance as well. So feel free to read that. It's called, I love this headline, so I got to read it out. It is called, Zinchenko ends will ruin Arsenal's title charge. So do check it out on that website that Alfie plugged. We love you, Arsenal.co.uk. Check out all the other pieces while you're there too. We've got an amazing staff of writers alfie i know there's something else that you got to say that we end every episode on we need a song we do and i don't have one um as we never do is there a song to do with wolves maybe well there is oh what does the wolf say yeah is it wolf no it's fox no that's what does the fox Um, dude best by the way best by Kanye. I'm a fixed wolf. Oh, there you go, Kanye. Another very not controversial guy, just like FIFA. Um, I, I think, uh, I, I think uh, the best episode name we've ever had is when we beat Lester and we put What Does the Fox Say on the end of it. And the title was What Does the Fox Say? Nothing because it's dead. <laughs> that Genius. was great. I did love a. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm a suspended game. <laughs> Brentford brutalized. 
Um, and Fox is br brutally mutilized, I think was one of them, when we beat Leicester. Obviously, that was yours. Um, brutally mutilated. And yeah. Oh, my God. How about Arsenal Obama slayed the yeah. forest, and now they have to take on the Red Devils. That was one, I think. Yeah, the titles used to be really long. Now they're more punchy. Yeah. yeah. What's this one going to be? I don't know. I'll wing it. Wolf's, Wolf's uh, what's that word that starts with W? Whoa. <laughs> Wanked? Um, no. <laughs> God. <laughs> We're not promoting bestiality. Bestiality, um, Kanye West. Wolves. <laughs> I'm a fixed wolves. I don't know. That's Lopetegui right now. I'm a fixed wolves. He's <laughs> gonna uh, try, man. We'll see. Neuter. We'll see. I'll see. Well, I'll see what I feel like when I get to it. How about wolves neutered? Yeah. God. Eh, let's, let's, end anyway, this. let's end this. Let's end. Let's end it all. All right, folks. Leave a review. Share it with all your cool uncles. We love you. We'll see you never again. Adios. Bye. Lost out, beat up, dancing, found it, I found you, somewhere about, mound down there, right, right there, lost in, beat up, found it, dancing, I found you, somewhere about, burn down there, around there, lost in, found out, turned out,
You gotta let me know if I could be your Joseph Only tell you real shit, that's the tea, no sip Don't trip, don't trip, that pussy slippery, know it We ain't trippin' on shit, we just sippin' on this Just forget the whole shit, we could laugh about nothing. I impregnate your mind, let's have a baby without fucking Yo, I know it's corny, bitches, you wish you could unfollow I know it's corny, niggas, you wish you could unswallow I know it's corny, bitches, you wish you could unfollow I know it's corny, niggas, you wish you could unswallow Ay, I know it's corny, bitches, you wish you could unfollow I know it's corny, niggas, you wish you could unswallow You try to play nice, everybody just took advantage You left your fridge open, somebody just took a sandwich I said, baby, what if you was clubbing, thugging, hustling Before you met your husband, then I said, what if Mary was in the club, but she met Joseph around hella thugs, cover Nori and lamb's wool. We surrounded by the fucking wolves. What if Mary, what if Mary was, in was in the club, but she met Joseph with no love, cover Saint and lamb's wool. And she was we surrounded by, surrounded by the fucking wolves.